Welcome back to Bucketheads, everybody. My name is Connor Lamans, and I'm joined by Justin Goble for episode 57 of Land Grant Holy Land's College Basketball Podcast. Following a controversial end to the Rutgers game last week, which Ohio State did win uh, 67-66 on a last-second three-pointer from Tanner Holden. I know I'm supposed to say something about the Rutgers game here, but I'm actually just going to tell the world that for work today, we went on a field trip and I went to the Christmas Story house in Cleveland. <laughs> I can't believe it wasn't about Kent State. <laughs> no, Kent State hasn't really played recently, so I'm going to Congrats to Kent State on their new football coach. Yeah. That's a, it's a good hire, honestly. We could talk about that. But, uh, <laughs> no, we don't have to talk about that. We don't have that. to. It's a good, he comes from the PJ Fleck world, which is Western Michigan, which is the Mac. So you got to hire a Mac guy to be a Mac guy. You know what I mean? But yeah, I went to see the Christmas Story house today. Um, I think the movie is a little overrated. Not a bad movie. It's just a little overrated. I don't think it needs to be played on a 24-hour loop on Christmas. I think that's a little much. Um, I'd much rather like to see that Tanner Holden game winner played on a 24-hour loop. So many salty Rutgers tears. So many salty meat-smelling Rutgers tears. Um, well, like, was it controversial? Yes. Am I happy yes. it was a controversial win yeah. over a controversial loss? Yes. <laughs> That's if my feelings. If yeah, if if you're listening to this, I'm you already know what happened. If you somehow wandered, if you somehow wandered into this episode, yeah, I, I love the concept that there's somebody listening to this that has yeah. absolutely no fucking idea what we're talking about. If you if you somehow wandered onto this episode and you don't know what we're talking about, um, essentially what happened was Ohio State was up by double digits in the first half. They didn't score for the final four minutes of the first half and let Rutgers back into this game two-point lead at halftime. Um, the final 15 minutes of this game, the entire final 15 minutes, neither team was ever up by more than three points, which was an absolute hell to sit there and try to write a story about a game when you know this is going to come down to the last shot. It sucks. So it's, it literally, if you look at the scoring run, um, it literally was like bucket, 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 each side, back and forth. Like no team could get a run. Ohio State trailed by... Um, Ohio State trailed by two points with five seconds left. Well, actually, we'll say one point. We'll back it up a little. They're down by – I'm sorry. Back it up more. <laughs> Clear that up. I'm looking at the play to play. Buckeyes down by three points with hey. seven seconds left. Okay? Now we're, now we're back on the straight and narrow. They're at, we're back. Buckeyes down by three. Caleb McConnell goes to shoot free throws. So Caleb McConnell hits the first and makes it a two-point deficit. So now Ohio State knows they have to get a bucket to just to force overtime. Um, and then he misses the second. And so Ohio State gets the rebound. Bruce Thornton brings it down the court. And then there's basically a, a series of events that anybody could argue any which way that something was missed. Bruce Thornton brings it down and he's kind of hugging the out of bounds line in front of both benches and the scorers table. Um, Caleb McConnell has both of his hands up while he rides on Bruce Thornton, basically. So he's got his hands up saying, I'm not fouling. I'm not fouling, but he is, bumping him like crazy with his body, but his hands are up. So he's saying, nope, I'm not fouling. It looks like Bruce Thornton steps out of bounds as he's bringing the ball up. That I actually, I, I will say that was so close. Right. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know about that one. That was very but, close. But if you ask a Rutgers fan, 
He definitely oh, stepped out. It he was been swimming out of bounds if you ask a records fan. If you ask an Ohio State fan like me, I, I don't know. But anyway, so he – I saw strong. Bruce, Thor- Bruce Thornton is able to pass the ball around Caleb McConnell to Tanner Holden right in front of the Ohio State bench. And in the moment, I don't think anybody noticed it. But Tanner Holden, as he's running down the floor to get away from Bruce Thornton for potentially a pass, he runs out of bounds like a wide receiver – and then he comes right back in. And right when he steps back in with both feet, Bruce Thornton passes in the ball. He hits a three. Ohio State wins. Place goes bananas. And honestly, there was no controversy or questioning for like right when the game ended, at least not live. Um, it, it took like 10 seconds in the arena for the announcer to go, basket is good, and that was the game. But in hindsight, the rule states that if you go out of bounds, which sounds like the exact same as the football rule, if you go out of bounds under your own power, which means nobody pushed you out, nobody bumped you out, you just jogged out, I think it reads you can't be the first to touch the ball. If, if reads, really The way the rule reads is if, if you go out on your own volition, your momentum, which he did, which he did then you can, yeah, you cannot be the first one to touch the ball uh, unless – and then it says unless you establish one foot inbounds. That's the difference with the football rule. Football rule is two, two feet. The basketball rule is one. But I don't know if, if the way it reads is kind of weird. It reads really weird. In my, opinion. my first response to that was, and I was incorrect, as I am so often. I was like, he's, he's not the first to touch the ball because when he steps back in, Bruce Thornton is still holding the ball. But then I looked again and actually, no. Tanner Holden, as he was sliding back in bounds, that the ball was already in the air going his way. So when he was out of bounds and stepped in, he was the very next person to touch the ball. And then dude hadn't even scored yet this game. Tanner Holden had zero points through the first 39 minutes and 59 seconds of this game. And he throws up a three. He said he couldn't even see the basket when he shot it, uh, just drained it, and that was ball game. Um, apparently what should have happened, and the Big Ten put out a, the Big Ten put out a statement the next day that said that basket should not have counted. And basically the minute that Tanner Holden touched the ball should have been whistled dead and Rutgers gets the ball back uh, up two points with like a minute. No, I'm sorry, not a minute, 1.5 seconds remaining. Let's put two minutes back on the clock. Let's run it back. No, oh, so yeah. here, here's the one. So I just pulled up the real rule. Um, it says a player who steps out of bounds under the player's own volition and then becomes the first player to touch the ball to return to the playing court is committed a violation. The addendum to that is – all that's okay if his if a player whose momentum causes him to go out of bounds, maybe the first touch the ball inbounds as long as he gets one foot in prior to touching the ball. Here's my question with that. He does kind of just float out of bounds. Can't you argue, though, that's your momentum? I guess they're saying, like, if you dive out of bounds for a ball or something or you're pushed out of bounds, isn't your momentum just the way you're moving, technically? I don't know. It's that's a- where it gets in the weeds to me. Because he does establish one foot back in bounds. So – I'm assuming the official on the because the official is standing right there. I'm assuming he determined at the time that Tanner Holden's momentum took him out of bounds, not his own volition, and that's why it was a it was a fair play. That's my interpretation of it. But I think the where you say the momentum, I think that's where it gets in the weeds with it, in my opinion. And again, I'm biased. I don't care. I think I think the minute that the Big Ten put out a I mean yeah they did say they were statement. wrong so I can't argue that but it's, yeah it's no longer in the weeds for me once the Big Ten says no basket should not have counted I'm but. talking about the why the official didn't call it because they're because the Rutgers fans are like how do you miss that 
uh, that's the way I see him missing uh, that. Yeah, it's it's um, I mean the the rifle is literally right there watching, and both uh, Steve Peichel and Holtman both said like there's a there's a ref right at the play watching the whole thing, but there's a lot to watch in that play, and that's not an excuse for a ref missing a call. But you have to watch is Bruce Thornton stepping out? You have to watch is Caleb McConnell fouling him because it's only a two point game double bonus if Mikhail if Caleb McConnell is called for a foul there. And Bruce Thornton, who's shooting, I don't have stats up, but I believe he's shooting north of 80% from the free throw line. Um, he hits both, then it's a tie game. So simply a, a bump foul could tie the game. You're watching that. You're watching Bruce Thornton's foot. And then once you pass it to Holden, you're watching to make sure that he gets the shot off in time. I don't know if he's also looking – that one ref is able to look at all that and also Holden's hand. And yeah, also he's not his- looking at Thornton at all. And I also think you could very much argue McConnell fouls Thornton. Right there with his body. That's, he that's bo- what I'm I mean, saying. That's he body checks multiple him. calls in there that you could have called. It's just so funny because he was doing like the whole way up the court. He had his hands up. Like if you put your hands up and don't touch a guy with your hands, it's not a foul. And he's like, I'm not following him. I'm not following. And you just see Bruce getting nudged oh so close to the line because McConnell's just bumping him the whole way up. Yeah. Like, like I mean, it's it's bang, bang. I don't know that I would call it, but it, you could argue that. So, so the bucket goes in. There really wasn't any controversy at all until, honestly, when I got into the media room to do post-game interviews, they were watching the video to see if Bruce stepped out. And then they were looking at, oh, wait, did Tanner Holden step out? Oh, yes. Tanner, Yo, Holden, Tanner Holden has both feet out of – Tanner Holden is damn near in press row. <laughs> Tan, Tanner Holden was, yeah, in the Buckeye Nuthouse before we came in. <laughs> It was funny too because I remember, like, I saw it on Twitter because obviously I wasn't there. Also, quick breaking news from Football World: five-star receiver Jeremiah Smith, the number two overall prospect in the class of twenty twenty-four, is coming to Ohio State. So I'm sure if you're listening to this, you are an Ohio State football fan as well. So uh, Ohio will, State now it's a commitment. Will Ryan Day still be there to have him run bubble screens? So now, so now the number one and number two players in twenty twenty-four just happen to be a quarterback and a receiver, and they're both coming to Ohio State. So bubble screens galore. Anyway. Um, I was so tempted. I'm actually, not, I'm that. actually not as I'm actually not as low on Ryan Day as most people are, so I shouldn't say that. But anyway, I was so tempted a few minutes ago when I saw that to tweet to literally tweet. The question is, will Ryan Day still be with the team in two years so he can have Jeremiah Smith uh, just run screens all day? But we talk so much about how fans tweet bullshit about Chris Holtman, and we're like, you don't understand how bad that looks for recruiting and for the program. And I'm like, and now we're like doing it. <laughs> I'm calling the kettle black. All right, yeah. I'm not, so I didn't do it. Right, um, anyway, but what we were saying yeah. was. I was looking at it and I saw like someone was like they were they were like, Oh my god, he clearly stepped out of bounds and I only saw he and I and I knew Bruce Thornton just watching, I was like, he's really close out of bounds. And I was like, There's no way it's that close, like whatever. And then you watch the replay, I'm like, Oh, they're talking about Tanner Holden and oh my god, he's out of bounds. Like yeah, but again, yeah. and again, and I and, and and again, I know this rule. So if for people that don't know this, first of all, I'm a certified bucket. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when I played hoops growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you don't know this, I'm white and I can shoot. People um, forget. Yeah. People forget. But what a lot of shooters do is, especially catch and shoot guys. And if you watch hoops, you know this. They will go around screens. They will go out of bounds, and they will run. You basically use like I used to use coaches as a screener, just run out of bounds and run back in. That's where I get confused because that doesn't get called. That that's technically your own volition. Now I don't know if that's and a college that is- thing or what. And but that like, is, man, yeah, they've been talking about that a lot too. They've been talking about like why it wasn't called. Chris Mack. I don't know if maybe uh, the rule Chris got Mack, uh, unemployed basketball coach Chris Mack was talking about it, as well as 
Chris Holtman on his radio show. Um, they said a lot of times um, on inbounds plays below the basket, teams are running all kinds of goofy motions like that where they will have they will have guys stepping out and come back in. Yeah, and exactly. both Chris Mack and Holtman said, like, under the basket when teams do out-of-bounds plays, they almost every single team has a guy run out-of-bounds and come back in. And he said yeah. 90, 99% of the time, they're never going to call that. No, they don't. And that's it's just so that's weird I think- because you don't – there's not much space to go out-of-bounds right in front of your own bench. So it's very, it's very odd that it happened to happen in that physical space on the court where it looks very unnatural. It is funny too because if you listen to Holtman at the end of the game, he said, "Because I tweeted this out from the Bucketheads account, like what won't get mentioned is like Tanner Holden was subbed in for Justice suing in that play. Like that's a huge move by Chris Holtman. Chris Holtman was honest about why he did that. It wasn't to shoot the ball. It was because he's their best baseball passer, and they thought they might need uh, to throw a long pass. Yeah, obviously they didn't need to do that because it was it, they got a rebound. Um, so Tanner Holden did not expect to get the ball." So I think that's why he was drifting out of bounds. I think he expected Bruce Thornton to kind of rip one. And then he realized, oh, shit, Bruce Thornton is looking at me. He's going to pass me this ball. I need to get him bounds. <laughs> that's the way I, that's what I think Tanner Holden saw. Because I don't think Tanner Holden expected at all until about a second left to get that ball. Um, and shout, I mean, look, shout out to him for hitting the shot. And look, again, for all the, like, I understand Rutgers fans being upset about this for, like, the night. The ones that, like, especially the ones that think it had anything to do with them losing to Seton Hall, a bad basketball team are delusional, completely delusional. First of all, this is not going to affect them come March, right? Because Ohio state is not a good enough team to where it would have been a huge win for you. It would have been a good win on the road at Ohio, you know, at Ohio state, but Ohio state's not going to be a top 10 team or anything like that. It's not like you took away a win at Purdue. Who's the number one team in the country. But Ohio State's not going to be bad enough to where it's a bad loss. It's just going to be, oh, they lost Ohio State at home. That makes sense. You know, or on the road. So it's it's, it's not going to affect them come, you know, it's going to affect them a lot more. Losing to Seton Hall, that's a bad loss. So I don't understand. And Steve Peichel at the end of the game was like, I don't want to make excuses, but here's some excuses. And it was, you know, after the Seton Hall game. And it's like, dude, first of all, if you can't, if you can't go Thursday to Sunday playing Ohio State and Seton Hall, you think that's a tough schedule? Big 10 play is going to be rough. I got news for you. Okay. And second of all, that game should have no merit on the Seton Hall game. You had three days off. That's not like, or two days in between. That's like, that's how big 10 play goes. You normally play Thursday or Sunday or Wednesday or Saturday, something in that range. Like I, like, I mean, they're talking about, like, there's literally comments about the Rutgers game after the Seton Hall game of like, well, if we would have beat Ohio state, no, this would be happening. It's like, that's just delusional. Uh, Rutgers. What are they? Six and four right now. One, two, three, four, five. Yes. Uh, they started five and five last season, and they made the NCAA tournament. Like, then they're going to make the NCAA tournament this year. You can't. You yes, can't. It's I'm impossible to win at the rack. So they have that going for I, them. Yeah, I'm very confident that they're still going to make the tournament this season. That um, game is going to be very annoying for Ohio State and Ohio State fans, just because they play at the rack in like a month, <laughs> in exactly a month, actually. There's going to be a lot of chirping, and then there's going to be like, if Rutgers wins, it's going to be like. Thank God we swept Ohio State this year. Which, look, I'm going to be – yeah, like, oh, we beat Ohio State twice. Look, I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm going to make that prediction now. Ohio State loses that game. Okay. <laughs> like, I just – I just I will never have faith in them walking to the rack and winning. I'd love to be wrong, but we'll see. It's just it's, – it's very goofy that I, – I didn't think I would see people taking it this far, but there were so many people in Ohio, the Ohio State hoops mentions because a uh, friend of the pod, Joe Gemma, who we've had on 
two, two times, three times. I don't know. We'll probably have him on a bunch more times because literally you can just bring him on and give him a microphone and just let it rip. Um, we just kind of shoot the shit and talk ball, honestly. He said, he said, like, I cannot, he said, you would have thought we would have murdered somebody at half court, the amount of Rutgers people <laughs> in our r- responses right now. And people were literally like, congrats on losing. Rutgers win 664. Like, people like adding, like, at FBI, at NCAA, at Big Ten, like, please consider this game in no contest. Remove it from both teams' records. Or like, at NCAA committee, please make sure to consider this a no contest in March. We did not lose this game. And it's like, it's Bro. not even the most egregious finish to a game this season. We've seen worse, and the NCAA has never gone back and like been like, oh. "All right, we're going to go ahead and give you the win." And you like, it's it, it, it wasn't even joking. Like people were literally like so upset and angry that they were like trying to contact um, the Big Ten. Like once the Big Ten put out the statement, then their Rutgers fans are like, "Cool, we appreciate the apology." So now, what are you going to do? Like, That's it. That's what they're yeah. going to do. Yeah. Like, oh, sorry, we got it wrong. Uh, look, and again. Not a single game ever comes down to one play. Caleb McConnell missed the free throw to make that a win. That's going to overtime if he makes that. Like, not any game. And look, and I'll be very, very, very blunt or very frank, right? That's who I am. I'm, well, I'm not Frank. I'm Justin. But you know what I'm saying. Um, I'm an honest person. If that was flipped, I would have been upset. 100%. I would have yeah. been like, that's bullshit. Yeah. Fuck that. I would have woke up and went to work and been like, oh, I stayed played last night. I, it, like, it, it wouldn't have actually affected my day-to-day. Like, I would have been mad that night. I probably would have forgot about it by bedtime, and that's it. You know? Like, on to North Carolina. Okay. There's so, many, there's so many mistakes that you make in the, in the course of a game and other calls oh that God. were potentially missed. Like, like the Zed Key illegal screen I'm going to bring up because right. I keep seeing people gonna, say that was a good call, which it wasn't. If you're going to revise – That was a five-point five swing. If you're going to revise the result of a game because of a missed call – a missed call in the first 10 seconds of the game is just as consequential as a missed call in the final 10 seconds of the game. Just because the last missed call happened to be in a tight game, the first missed call in the hypothetical first 10 seconds of the game also is costing somebody points. So you, you cannot revise the game based on a missed call just because it happened in crunch time. It's just, yeah. like you said, the, the, the moving screen on Zed Key was honestly the funniest thing. And maybe I was being sarcastic when I tweeted that it was... 15 feet from the basket, but it was literally like Bryce Sensabaugh was taking a Bryce Sensabaugh three, which means he's at least five feet behind the line. And Zed Key was like somewhere by the elbow. And that is where the illegal screen was called. Like the ball was literally leaving his hand when that guy tried to fight around the screen. No and there goes your three points. I was like, oh my gosh. And like, I said, and like I said, they made a layup on the other end. It was a five point swing. So like these things happen. Now, the one thing I will agree with is maybe that play should be reviewable. And I only say that. I only say because people are like, you got to review everything within two minutes. God, no, that's not what I'm saying. That play should be reviewable in the sense of it was a game winning shot. If it's a game winning play, maybe you can review it. But if you start going down to review everything within two minutes, college basketball, you might start. I might start actually saying the Elam ending is a good thing. I mean, and I'm not a proponent of that, but you're going to start making games ungodly long. Okay, maybe give or maybe do the NBA. Give the coaches one challenge, right? And if Pykele didn't use his, he'd go, hey, wait a minute, red flag. He was out of bounds. And then you could do that, whatever. But even then, the reviewing thing, you get down a rabbit hole you don't want to go down. Because what happens is you make – we saw it in the NFL. You make – when the Rams and the Saints thing happened, you make these rash decisions like, okay, now we're going to make all pass interferences challengeable. Well, now that went horribly, as everyone expected it would. Now it's not even a thing anymore. So – 
I, it, you, you don't want to get down that rabbit hole too much. The only way I would do it is if, well, like I said, you give the coaches one challenge a game, and if Eichel already used it, sorry, sorry, out of luck. Um, or because it was a game-winning play, you can challenge it. I don't know. They, you review it, I should say. This was also the first time. I also don't I think the refs really thought there was a big deal until after the game with Tanner Holden, so I don't know if he even would have been reviewed, to be honest. That was the other thing that I saw was that people were like mad. They're like, they couldn't even review it because the refs immediately sprinted off the court. They would not talk to Rutgers. They would not talk to Pykele. They just said, nope, goodbye, and ran away. In the media room, nobody even like – nobody was even considering the stepping out of bounds until 10, 15 minutes later. Like, well, and, and I, think I think It's hard to keep your eyes on literally everything going on in a play like that at once. And that's because it had no effect on the outcome of the play, right? Yes, he did mosey out of bounds. He still drained a half court shot to win the game. All right, all right. it wasn't a half court. It was it was a it was it was an honest three point shot. <laughs> I wouldn't say honest. I, he was ten feet behind the line. No, no, somewhere in between of half court. Easy what? Easily no, uh, eight. eight. Bruce Bruce Thornton had already passed half court when he threw the ball to hold. <laughs> all right, we're gonna we're gonna fact check this real quick. But my point my <laughs> point being. I don't think he was as far back as, as you remember him being, but he couldn't even see the basket. He just heaved it up. Yeah, my, my point being, um, maybe put a guy on the ball next time if you're Rutgers. Hmm. Uh, maybe you could argue they thought he was out of bounds. They didn't. I don't know. Let's see. Argue. No, that's not it. That was not it at all. No, um, he, was, he was six feet behind line. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, this is Steph Curry three. We'll go with that. He was like uh, <laughs> he was like, he was like like right in front of Holtman, basically. Like this in front is Steph of Curry three. But um, still a good shot for a guy who's – I also want to point out, me and Tanner Holden now have something in common uh, in intramural basketball my sophomore year at Kent. I also hit a – this was legitimately half court, a three while I had no points in the game. Unfortunately, my three sent it to overtime, which I then scored also zero points and we lost. But um, I did hit a half court three to tie a game uh, after scoring zero points throughout the rest of the game. So we have that. I literally had the same thing happen to OSU my junior, senior year. I think it was my senior year. We were actually down two. And I had one point up to that point in the game because I had split a pair of three free throws and that's it. And then I hit, I hit it was a, it was kind of like Tanner's. It was more like a general, just kind of a deep three, nothing crazy. And I hit it and that was like, that's his first bucket of the game. And I was doing the like Carmelo, like three to the head, walking down the court. And the other team was just like, are you kidding me, man? This I was freaking out because I, th- I thought we won the game with it. I thought we were down by two. We were down by two. Um, but anyway. Kind of James talk- Smith did. Back to talking about actual athletes. Um, At the end of the day, Ohio State beat Rutgers. That is an undeniable fact. This was the first time that I had seen Caleb McConnell play in person. Um, and I want he is like, from a basketball standpoint, I absolutely love Caleb McConnell. Dude, is so he is so entertaining. From a He's personality crazy. standpoint, he is the biggest asshole I've ever seen on a basketball court. <laughs> I mean, hey, everybody, he's like – He's 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 like the Aaron Craft, you know. I mean, Aaron Craft wasn't an asshole, but people hated him. You're talking about missed calls. There were two times in this game where he took charges that were looked like they could have been flops, and Holtman like ran out onto the court and did like the flopping gesture at the ref. Like he's like, "Come on, give, come on, car, are you kidding me?" And then there was another play. Um, I'm sure you saw this where Tanner Holden was holding the ball, and Caleb McConnell was like running behind him and bumped him. And Tanner Holden and Tanner Holden kind of stumbled, and they called it a travel. And Tanner looked at the ref and basically said, "Like, come on, man! Like, he bumped into me. I only stumbled because he bumped into me. That's a foul." And Tanner still has the ball. They did not show this on TV. Tanner still has the ball in his arm, like cradling the ball, talking to the ref. 
And Tanner and um, Caleb McConnell walks up from behind and he punches the ball out and looks at him and it looks like he said, "Little bitch boy," and like yeah, they, they showed him punching the ball out. They didn't show him saying that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm reading lips because I I saw bitch boy. I did. I don't know if he said I, he said something before. Either give me that bitch boy or little bitch boy. He popped the ball out of his arm and took I, yeah, it from him. I think the bitch boy is the important part there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, shit. And then there was a play later where basically Paul, the same thing happened to Paul Mulcahy. He traveled, and then Tanner popped the ball out of his arm and took it away. And I'm like, okay, all right. And that's why I just think it's so funny that after all that, like t- basically Tanner Holden going back and forth with these guys, he was the one that hit the shot because I thought that McConnell was going to get teed up when he punched the ball out. It was was talking to him. Yeah, he's an asshole. He's a huge asshole, but he is he's incredible. Like a nonstop motor on defense, but he's a huge prick. Yeah, he's not. He's not a guy. You're not going to see another player probably that good on defense all season. So it's a nice little kind of barometer game in that regard. I mean, he was well, he was Big Ten Defense Player of the Year last year, right? Yeah, that was him. So, yeah, I mean, you look at it, and it's it's one of those things where I think. um at the end of the day, this this game is kind of marred in that controversy, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a hell of a win for Ohio State. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about North Carolina a little bit, but kind of, it puts you in a very good position walking into the North Carolina game, which you need to what if What if Ohio State somehow wins the Big Ten by one game? You think people are going to cry? I think Rutgers fans will cry, yes. I don't think anybody think else will. Maybe the team that they lost the one game that was behind Ohio State might cry. Um, I also will predict Ohio State does not win the Big Ten. Ten. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, don't, I don't think they're winning the Big Ten for what it's worth. But if I think they there's did, a much better chance that this is the difference between a four and a five seed for Ohio State, which is still, as people know, in the Big Ten tournaments, a huge deal. But um, yeah, we'll see. I don't. Know. I just again, I there are so many plays in that game, man. And Tanner Old still did the shot. It just does. I don't. I couldn't care less. It's just how these things happen. <laughs> Uh, new AP poll. Purdue is number one. They were number one last year for one week, and then they uh, went and played Rutgers on the road and lost. So Purdue's back in the number one spot. Big surprise. Um, other Big Ten teams in the AP poll. You have to go all the way down to Indiana at 14, which I'm I'm really surprised that Indiana is still that high. I feel like every time Indiana loses, it seems like such a big deal, but somehow they're still 8-2. and two. Uh, They're 14 Illinois is eighteen with three losses, which shocked me. I was I was surprised too because I don't oh I know. Gosh, I, I thought they I thought they might just drop out altogether. I thought maybe that was the the poll giving Penn State some credit, but they looked bad against Penn State. They looked very bad. Then Maryland is still at twenty. That's another one that I thought after a week where you lost two games, I thought they might drop out. Maryland's still at twenty. Wisconsin is up to twenty two, deservedly so. Um, Ohio State jumped from twenty five to twenty three. And then are there any Big Ten teams getting votes? Iowa got votes. They lost two games Lock last week. Yeah. And uh, Michigan State got a couple votes. It is kind of funny play. that on the last podcast we were talking about Maryland because they were 8-0, and, and I was like, you know, we're going to find out a lot about them with their next three games. They play Wisconsin, Tennessee, and Maryland, or even UCLA. And even though they did look good, they are 0-2 so far in that stretch. Right. So. And as we're, as we're talking, Maryland plays UCLA here in about three hours. So, so as you're listening to this, they could be 0-3 in that stretch. Yeah, I'm guessing that when this, when, when this comes out tomorrow, I think Maryland will have lost that as well. 
Uh, uh, is this the fastest? It has to be the fastest ever that a team that the number one preseason team went to unranked and an unranked team is number one to start the preseason. Cause Purdue was unranked, right? Had to have been. They were unranked, I think. And now they're number one. And then North Carolina, and also on, I'm sure, everyone's bingo cards when when the preseason was happening, uh, Ohio State is going to be ranked and playing an unranked North Carolina. Yeah, that's the wild part, and that sucks. That's not what you want if you're Ohio no, State. Not. You, no. you don't want to be. This game has turned into a bummer because it, it somehow has turned into a lose-lose. Either you won, it's like, great, you beat like a team that's lost five of their last six, or you lose, and it's like, ha, can you beat Carolina? <laughs> it's By the way, great. Purdue started the season ranked number twenty-four. Damn it! Um, but yes, it's I really like thought I, had, I really thought I had something. There. If Ohio State beats North Carolina, it's like congrats, you lost, you beat a really bad North Carolina. So team. did Portland, you know. And if Ohio State, if it's Ohio State loses, it, so. if Ohio State loses, it's like how did you lose to an unranked North Carolina team? Yeah. On the bright side, if Ohio State does lose, North Carolina might be ranked. Actually, I don't think they will. I don't think North Carolina got any even receiving votes. But, um, yeah, I mean, and the problem is North Carolina is still a good team. They can still catch fire at any minute and put up 90 on you. So it's a really weird dynamic to be in. Also, historically, Chris Holtman, very good in the CBS Sports Classic. Quietly. I think they've only lost once, right? No, they've Am lost. Am I wrong things. there? Yeah, They lost to UCLA, Lonzo Ball. But what else? They beat Kentucky twice. They beat UNC two years ago, dusted them. They've lost twice, I think. Hold on. They beat UCLA one year. It hasn't been happening that long. I'm curious. Yeah. I wonder if there's like we, we can UCLA. UCLA has been the, the punching bag. Yeah, well, they, they got unlucky the year that Lonzo Ball was there because they had to play him. But um, hold on. It started in 2014. So Ohio records. State, Ohio State is four is four and three. Eh, I'm kind of right. They they they're two and one against UCLA. They're zero and two against North Carolina, and they're two and zero against Kentucky. Interesting. I don't remember them being zero and two against North Carolina, but didn't they just beat the they just beat the piss out of North Carolina? Maybe that was the ACC Big Ten challenge. 20, 2014, the very first year that this was a thing, they lost to North Carolina. Oh. And um, oh year? yeah, okay. What I'm thinking of, they didn't play. That wasn't in the ACC. That was in the ACC Big Ten challenge. My bad. Okay, so four and three. Still four and three is not and bad. And then in 2017, they played North Carolina again. And then last year, it was, it was canceled. So, I mean, still four and three is not bad. But um, it's lot, that's the worst I thought. But I thought they were six and one. <laughs> but still, um, I forgot about the both of the uh, – I forgot about both of the UNC games. So We are going to get back to the Big Ten in Ohio State, North Carolina. But we, I, I do – I do want to say the two other things from the AP poll, which aren't really AP poll things. First of all, Texas dropping to – Texas dropping not as much as I thought they would. Texas dropped to seven after losing to Illinois last week. And also, their head coach, I don't know if he's – is he out of jail or is he still in jail? Uh, is he out on bond? He was charged with a third-degree felony for strangling, it sounds like, his wife. Um, fiance. I believe fiance. Okay. Yeah, alleged assault against fiance. Allegedly. Correct. Um, so I don't he is, know. He has been released after posting his $10,000 bond, which is 10% of his bail. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not really going to, I'm not really going to dig into this one. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> like, all I'm going to say is that my guess is he probably situation. does not. I'm saying my guess is he probably does not lose his job. 
I don't know. It, it seems like there's a lot of stuff going on with this that need to be worked out, but you have to figure he's probably not going to come back to the team until it's all worked out. So you just, with the court system, you just don't know when that's going to be. So, I mean, they, they've played one game without him and they look bad. They almost they lost to Rice. Yeah. I, I can't, I, I, well, let me say this. I can't say they look bad. I do not get the Longhorn Network. I did not watch the game. Um, I assume they look bad because they almost lost to Rice. Another thing is Alabama is up to four and they have now beaten the number one team in the country twice in the first five weeks of the season. Yeah, they have, they have the best uh, freshman in the country, so which I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. But um, they're they're playing some really good ball, and I think that they are they're one of those teams where like you know I, look I'm a Mac guy, you know I I love my Nate Oats, I love Nate my Oats. Oats, Nate Oats are good. Great, man. Oats are good for you. Uh, take them in. Um, good dude, very amazing coach. Alabama is always a, a team that I, it's kind of just they've always been kind of lurking. They've never quite been able to get over the hump. It seems like. Seems like this might be the team that gets them over that hump. And UConn is incredible. That's my only. UConn is, yeah, UConn is really good. I like Nate Oates a lot. Although I've never seen a fan base be so mad that their team is ranked second in the country in December. <laughs> like, it's okay. It doesn't they're matter. Second, they're, th- they're third, even worse. Oh, well, maybe that's why they're mad. But nevertheless. Dude, yeah, it's almost you know. better. Who, who, wants to have, who wants to have the number one? Who wants to be number one? If you're number one, you're guaranteed to lose within two weeks. It's just a yeah. fact. Purdue's going to lose. One? Listen, Purdue's going to lose to Davidson. I'm putting that on the, the – I did that. I said that. The, the, is, it, is it the lawyer bowl? Oh, lawyer versus is, lawyer? That is the lawyer. That is the lawyer bowl. <laughs> uh, I didn't even think about that. I mean, I also think Purdue might lose to Ohio State. Ooh, at Ohio State. I should probably yes. not, but. The, honestly, when you – man, yeah, exactly. Is, is Purdue really the number one team? People are talking. Um, when you think of Purdue going to Ohio State, I just don't I, I don't get the shivers of like a um I don't know, like when Michigan State was like number one with like Travis Trice and like Nick Ward and those you're like Miles Bridges, uh, like, right? Miles Bridges, you're like, oh dude, these guys are so good. Like not that I not that I think Purdue's bad, but like usually no, being Purdue's the number one team in the country. Good. Usually having the number one team in the country comes with this like sense of like panic or dread, like, huh, God, they're number one. Like they're going to roll over Ohio state. Honestly, when, when Purdue goes to Ohio state, the betting line would probably be like pretty close to even, or like maybe slightly favor Purdue. (laughs) It's funny how much the location matters for that because you flip that. And I think they lose by 25. Like at Mackey arena, I think they have absolutely zero chance. But no, 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 no. Ohio State goes down by 25 at one point, and they find a way to lose by six. <laughs> yeah, by six uh, in overtime. But um, that's that's true. But they will go down by 25 at one point. That's a guarantee. Correct. Um, yes. It's just one of those things where it's like also all the concerns. And it's, it's kind of funny when you look back because people are like, oh, you know, Purdue fans are going to do this. Where like everyone predicted us to finish six and look at us now. It's like, yeah, but the concerns were real. You just address them ungodly quickly. So that's why, you know, it was like, what's the guard play going to be like? Oh, well, Ethan Morton just turned into one of the best point guards in the country somehow. Okay, that's fine. Uh, can Zach Eady play 25, 30 minutes? Absolutely. Let's do that. Can he put up 30 and 15 in the game? Sure thing. You know, like it was just, they just answered. Can, can Caleb first hit that sophomore, you know, second year jump? Yes, he did. You know, like all these guys, they're just doing, they answered all the questions. And that's why, I mean, look, Matt Painter is an incredible coach. That's not a, that's not a hot take. Um, 
and he, he figured it out very quickly. They, they're doing a phenomenal job. Little Lawyer is fantastic. I don't think they expected him to give them that much. Um, what's his name? Is it Fletcher? Fletcher Lawyer. Okay, yeah, because Foster is the one at Davidson. Uh, I just didn't want to flip that. So he, I don't think they expected him to give them as much as he has early, but he, he's been great. You know, so that's where I just think when it comes to like they don't kind of strike the fear of God in you because I watched them beat Florida State by six and Florida State is bad, bad, you know. So it's like, I don't know. It's like Wisconsin last year when I got barraged by Scary Alvarez and his gang on Twitter. I was like, sorry that I didn't expect John. I didn't expect Johnny Davis. Also, at the beginning of the season, he went by Jonathan and that changed to Johnny. I was like, sorry that I didn't expect Johnny Davis to go from. I didn't expect him to go from five points a game to 20. That's my bad. Did you expect that? And they're all like, yeah, we did. I'm like, all right, okay. Um, same thing. It's like, okay, I'm sorry that I didn't expect – I didn't expect Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer to walk on as, as freshmen and immediately average 10 points a game. I'm sorry, did you expect that? And Purdue fans would probably say, yeah, we did. And if that's the case, hats off to you. Yeah. But – Purdue, I mean, Purdue beat Duke. Purdue, like – Purdue's, Purdue's results so far have been maybe the weirdest. They beat Florida State by 10, and that was a very close game for most of it. They beat Duke and Hofstra by the exact same amount of points, 19. They took Nebraska to overtime. Like I don't I don't know what to think about this team. I, I know they're very, very good. Don't get me wrong. But they really don't get challenged again. I mean, they do play Davidson. I said, they'll lose to Davidson. They're probably going to beat Davidson. Um, then they play New Orleans and Florida A&M. They'll win both those know, games man. by 100. Does David still have – does David still have – does da- – how many sentences, man? Sentences are so hard. Does <laughs> Davidson still have all the same guys they had last year in the tournament when they played Michigan State? Like Sam Meninga? Well, Did Davidson – yeah, their leading scorer as it stands right now um, is Foster Lawyer and Sam Meninga. Yes, they do have a good team. I mean, they do have a good team. Foster, like I said, Foster Lawyer is leading them right now. So, um, and Sam. Yes, they have their two best players back from that. Yeah. Is that game at Purdue or is it at Davidson or is it neutral site? It's called the Indy Classic. So I'm going to assume it's neutral site, but my phone is bugging right now. It's in Indy. It's in Indy. Okay. Well, that makes sense. It's called the Indy Classic. And then they play Rutgers before Ohio State, but that game's at Mackey. So, you know. Okay, so they're so they're losing. <laughs> it might be better for them to lose to Davidson because then they would get their head on straight and maybe win at the rack. Because if they beat Davidson, no, that's games at that games at Mackey. Oh, okay, just kidding then. All right, yeah, they'll, again, they'll win by twenty five and or go by twenty five, win by ten. You know the Mackey thing. But uh, yeah, I, I just don't. Purdue is they're they're a good team, but if 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 Ohio State played Purdue tomorrow at home and you asked me uh, like what percentage chance do you think Ohio State has to win this game? I would probably say 50%, maybe yeah, I'm 60%. On 40, I'm, on, I'm on 40 to 45. I, I think the question has to, the, the, people aren't going to like to hear this, but Purdue still has yet to answer the question. What happens if Zach Eady doesn't have it right? Their last game, he was probably his like worst and he had 11 points and 17 rebounds and six blocks. Like he still had a very good game. He just didn't have all the points. But he had 17 rebounds and six blocks, maybe even seven blocks. So it's like he still affected the game in an ungodly way. He's right now he's the best player. I think he's the player of the year so far. I mean, he's been unbelievable. So if there's a game where whether he gets in foul trouble, whether he just doesn't have it, whether you finally find someone that can slow him down, who does, you know, step up and give you 20 points, give you that 20, you know, 
15 to 10. I don't know. A big problem for them right now is problem in quotes because they're 10 and no. David Jenkins, that was so good at South Dakota State, he's averaging like four points a game for them. So I don't know if he's hurt and not playing or if he is just been bad and ineffective. But like that's a guy that Matt Painter brought in to be like their set, their third option or their second option even on offense. And he has been non existent. Yeah, I mean, Zach Eady is averaging 22 and 14. It's just nuts. Yeah, two and a half blocks. He's playing 30 minutes we, a game. We, and we said Zed Key had one of the best games I've ever seen against Rutgers. He had, he had that average. That was what he had 22 and 14. That's what Zach Eady is averaging on the season. It's nuts. How many shots is Zach? He's taking 14. It's shots efficient. He's, he's shooting not, 60% from game. the field. He's shooting you know 60% from the field. Zed, Zed Key. Key. Yeah. Key is shooting. Zed Key shooting seventy point four percent from the floor. There are a lot of people that were giving Zed Key a lot of shit at Maui that really need to think back and go, man, that was unnecessary. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see any Zed Key hate. I must not have been. I saw a lot. I saw. I, I shouldn't say a lot. I saw some Zed Key hate for sure. I did see a tweet. I won't say who it is. It doesn't matter if I say who it is, but that said, I don't want to see Zed Key minutes. I was like, cool. stop it. I don't even know what that means. You want Felix like part of like 40 minutes a game? I don't even know what that means, but I did. I saw that exact tweet. <laughs> also, uh, I do. I, I, I don't know how much you paid. Are you in the Ohio State community? No, I'm not. Okay. There was one guy who in the community said, I'm sick of Tanner Holden minutes during the Rutgers game. This is why you don't tweet during games. <laughs> during the Rutgers game. And, and, and Evan Ravenel quote tweeted and goes, hmm, interesting. <laughs> He kind of clowned him a little bit. <laughs> I was like, damn. Also, I learned Evan Ravenel is in the Ohio State community. But, um, what up, Rav? It was, yeah, come on the pod. But it was funny because it was like, maybe don't tweet during games because that exact thing can happen. <laughs> Dumb shit will come back and bite you. Um, two, okay, another thing about Purdue. Here, here's a question I have for you. So, Purdue plays Ohio State January 5th in, in Columbus. Uh, will Purdue still be undefeated when they go to Columbus. They have Davidson neutral court, New Orleans at home, Florida A&M at home, Rutgers at home. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of kidding when I said they'll lose to Davidson, but I actually think that it will be a really good game. Other than that, they'll win all the other games. Um, so if they lose to Davidson, they will they won't be. If they do beat Davidson, they'll be undefeated going to Ohio State. And the other thing is I'm begging for somebody at some point to acknowledge that we were right about Penn State as I knock on wood and we're only 10 games into the season. <laughs> I know. I, I think Penn State might be going to the Final Four. <laughs> if, I don't know where just... to stop here, so I'm just going to keep going forward with it. But I, objectively, Penn State has looked phenomenal. He's like, I'm four shots in. It's 6.53 on a on oh, a Wednesday, and Penn State's <laughs> going to the Final Four. Yeah. No, I, I, I have – I mean, Michael Shrewsbury did an amazing job putting that team together. The big question people had and what we kind of brought up was where are they going to get their rebounding and scoring from down low? And it just doesn't matter because they just shoot the shit out of the ball. And Jalen Pickett is legitimately a first-team All-American right now. Like, and, and we said this, Jalen Pickett's one of the most underrated players in the country. But, like, the stuff he, – he had 17 rebounds against Illinois. Like, he, like Zach Eady numbers. Like, he had a triple-double already this season. He's flirted with another one. Like, he's been absolutely amazing for them. Yeah. And, he, and might then be, he, just, he might be second for Big Ten Player of the Year behind uh, Zach, Eady. It's, it's him and Zach but, Eady right now. 
It's just he's nowhere close to A little bit of Trace you, Jackson Davis. I mean, Jalen Pickens at 16 points, 7.7 rebounds, 7.5 assists. And then I know that there have been people that I've seen respond like, cool, he had a triple-double, but he took uh, how many shots it take you to get there? And it's like, okay, that's true. But he's shooting 48% overall. Um, so it's not like he's every game going out there and he's like, oh, I had 18 points on – six of 20 shooting like he's almost at 50 percent overall as a guard which i'm is also very, very comfortable saying the impressive part of a triple double is not the points <laughs> yeah it's the assists it's I the other stuff it's all the other stuff i don't care i guess that 10 points that's fine that there's the other ones that that's impressive yeah they got uh four guys in double double figures cameron winters a transfer at 10.3 andrew funk a transfer at 11 we did talk about that preseason we said if one of those guys if one of two guys can take their uh like 20 points a game in a small conference and it can if it translates to even 10 points a game on top of Pickett and lundy they're gonna be good but both of those guys are at 10 points a game and then miles dread is their fifth leading score at 8.4 um I think that they're they might go like eleven. They might win ten or eleven games in the Big Ten. So it's interesting to me because they played two Big Ten games. They played Michigan State where they lost, and they played Illinois where they won. They love their their small ball lineup that works is Cam Winter, Andrew Funk, Jalen Pickett, uh, Seth Lundy, and Miles Dredd. They will play that five. I'm curious how because against Michigan State, Malik Hall didn't play. And they've been struggling at the center position. And Illinois doesn't have Kofi this year. You know, they don't have it. Coleman Hawkins isn't really a true like center. They don't really have a true big guy outside of uh, Jenga. Dane Jenga. Danger. Who um, literally danger. Yeah. Who was kind of injured a little bit. He like took a shot to the mouth and he was in a little bit of foul trouble. So he didn't really have that big of an impact on the game. I'm curious how that small ball lineup goes when you play. Indiana, when you play Purdue, when you play these teams that have elite big, when you play Michigan, right? Who slows down Hunter Dickinson? Like when you play these teams with elite big men, I think that small ball lineup is going to give Ohio State a freaking nightmare. But when you do play those elite big men, and Zed Key is a very good big man, but just in general, you know, uh, it seems like uh, that that small ball lineup could give Ohio State's defense some trouble. Uh, but when you do play those elite big men, how that small ball lineup really works and how you you know you work with it so i'm very curious penn state's going to be i'm going to watch every single penn state game this year there's no doubt about it i already pretty much have but i'm locked in now i think i think ohio state um i think that they'll be extra focused on penn state after what happened in the big 10 tournament last said penn state's been the team that's given uh ohio state trouble they had six losses one year and three of them were to penn state yeah (laughs) it'll be it'll be fun because you'll basically see You'll either see Miles Dredd guarding Zed Key, or you may even see Jalen Pickett guarding Zed Key. So it's like oh, you will see Jalen Pickett for sure guarding Zed Key. So it's like do you, you you like the advantage that Zed Key is a bigger, heavier guy than any of them. You don't like that the two guys that Zed Key would be having on the offensive end, Zed Key having to figure out a way to guard Jalen Pickett or Dredd, or if he's not going to guard any of those guys, and Holtman's going to call for a switch. Can they? Can they get to the other end and real quick communicate the switch before Jalen Pickett or Miles Dredd just rips off a three? And that's where I think against Penn State, your best bet, and look, Zed Key has been phenomenal, but your best bet might be running your lineup of Thornton, Senzabal, Suing, you know, Holden, McNeil, or obviously throwing ice in there as well, um, and just running small ball and just switching everything on them and trying to completely run them off the three-point line. 
That's probably Which your best bet to be. They don't play until I think the end of February, February twenty third. I think they only play once. Yeah, they only play once. So, which is funny because it's like Penn State's been the team that's given Ohio State like the most fits randomly, and this is like the first ever good Penn State team. So, it'd be really weird to see. <laughs> but they're a fun team. They're seven and three now. They've got um, one, two, three straight winnable games at home. They'll be ten and three facing Iowa at home. That'll be a fascinating game. Then they go to Michigan, which I I don't know what to do with Michigan. I would probably I would probably pick Penn State to beat Michigan on the road even. Um, yeah, it's really tough. Michigan's a tough one right now, especially without Llewellyn. But so yeah, I think that the they're looking Penn State's looking up for sure. I think they've got some they've got some wins that they're gonna be grabbing here in the next couple of weeks. Um, Ohio State, North Carolina Saturday. Unfortunately, I have a family Christmas in Toledo at two thirty. So I'll be paying attention on my phone to this as to how it's going, but I will not be in New York and I will not be uh, probably able to watch the whole thing live. But um, if, if, if Baycott's healthy and everybody's healthy, there's no doubt that North Carolina has a better, more talented team than Ohio state. Um, however, they are not healthy and they have not been playing well. So even though they have more talent, uh, it's a game that Ohio state can probably win. Yeah, it's looking like they probably might not have Ice Likely, which hurts. Um, he was, I mean, again, we're talking about like his his impact. If you didn't watch that Rutgers game and go, God, I miss Ice Likely, I don't know what to tell you. Like his his presence was felt not being out there, in my, in my opinion. Um, I don't know if you felt the same way, but in my opinion, his presence was felt not being there. Holtman felt like it was. Yeah, I, I, I it was just on the defensive and on the offensive end. I mean, and I and look, they still have rebounded Rutgers, so it wasn't like it was a huge deal in that regard. But I felt him both ends. Um, if he's not against, if he's not there for North Carolina, again, you just have to put a lot of pressure on Bruce Thornton to not just bring on offense, but you know, your RJ Davis is still one of the best point guards in the country. That's undeniable. It's going to be the best big man Zed Keys faced so far because Armando Baycott is incredibly talented, no matter how injured or whatever struggles he's had. And Caleb Love is one of the more fascinating players in college basketball. I think that's a good way to put it. And Pete Nance can get it going anytime. And Leaky Black is kind of the the glue that holds it all together. They they have a great team. You know, they Hubert Davis has kind of started to dig into the bench a little more. Seth Trimble's been playing a little more. He's a freshman. Uh, you know, Puff Johnson, Cam Johnson's little brother has been he's kind of their sixth guy. They normally like to only run that six man rotation with the five starters and with Puff, but you know, with some injuries, with some struggles. Um, we might see more like a seven, eight man rotation with Seth Trimble and and whatnot. So I'm curious how North Carolina looks. I think it's just one of those games where you just never know what, what team you're going to get. So I think they have to shoot the ball. I think it'll come down to that. I think shooting the ball well from deep will be very beneficial in this game. I mean, they have, I'm expecting a shootout. They've basically got like four guys on that roster that could realistically score 30 points. Um, oh, 100%. You named all four of them. You know, Love, Baycott, Davis, Nance. They have four guys that could that could drop a 30-burger on you and you wouldn't be totally blown away. Even Pete Nance. He's awesome. Pete Nance is a really good player. Um, it's it's likely is going to be – they miss likely more than, than people realize. And a lot of it is defensively. He guards typically the opposing team's best perimeter player especially taller guards that are more like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. That's what Holtman said about the Rutgers game. He said, that's really where we miss him is because 
Mulcahy's like six six. McConnell's like six five. Andre Hyatt is like. I think six, Andre five. Hyatt would have had a lot rougher game if Ice Lake was out there. That's what I think. Right. So that. those taller guards, that's really what he wants. So he would want, you know, he probably would throw likely on Caleb Love. I don't know about Pete Nance. That's good. Pete Nance is a tough. Pete Nance is a tough assignment if you're playing Pete Nance and Baycott at the same time. It's yeah, tough that's where I think Pete Nance. that's. I, I think Justice Suing has to have a really good game. I think this will come a lot of this. Justice Suing has been at times very, very good and not so good. So we, we kind of need good Justice Suing in this one. I, you kind of need good everybody. You know, everybody's going to have to make shots. Sensible Ball has been making some strides on defense. He looked better in the Rutgers game. Still some moments of kind of ball watching or, or maybe just getting a little bit lost, but hey, he's he's making some very good strides and. Uh, which is good because you want him to play. You know, I don't. I don't know if you caught Adam Jardy's preview of the game with Gary Parish, but Gary Parish said that he thinks Bryce Sensabaugh is a lottery pick next year. So, and that's kind of the reason why. So, hopefully, hopefully he keeps making strides on the defensive end because the more ice likely he's out, like Sensabaugh is their is their six man. You know, he started for he started for him. He's he was playing in the crunch minutes for him. You know, I mean, he's a freshman that. When they drew up the original play against Rutgers, when they were down by two and they were driving, it was to sensible. It was it was go create your shot, and that was last year. That was Liddell. That was who they had in that situation. So that's who they trust with the ball in their hand in his hands in the last minutes. Now, he you know he has to be he has to go on the defensive end. Obviously, it's going to be kind of like the Duke game. It's going to come. It's going to also come down to defense a lot. Um, North Carolina is not a great defensive team. Ken Palm, I think they're the 60th ranked defense. Um, they, you just, they gave up like what, 65, 70 points to, did they play Hofstra or the Citadel the other night? Um, I don't remember which one, but they gave up 65, 70 points to that team. They just beat them like a hundred to 70. Yeah, they, they played Citadels a um, hundred to 65, 63. <laughs> but like North Carolina, North Carolina, shoot, <laughs> North Carolina shoots 31% from three bad three point shooting crazy. team. That's crazy. We said, we said the same thing about Duke and what did Duke do? Basically, they just attacked below the basket and over and over, you saw Ohio State missing like screens and missing switches, and all of a sudden, you would have Ryan Young wide open under the basket, Derek Lively wide open under the basket. Like Duke was, Duke can't shoot either, but they were finding ways to pick apart Ohio State's defense to make sure they could get high percentage looks down low. Ohio State's defense let them down against Duke, not their oh, offense. Oh, 100%. Same thing's gonna happen with North Carolina. I think that Ohio State can score enough to win against North Carolina, but with Baycott and Nance on the floor at the same time, can the defense keep up? Can they keep it together defensively to avoid what happened against Duke? I, I don't know if both of those guys are playing at the same time. That's so that's, that's really tough because you, if you're using Zed key for Baycott, who do you put on basically Pete Nance is six eleven, So he's basically a seven footer. Who do you put on their second, seven footer who shoots 40 percent from three and you have to survive their avalanche right at some point in this game they do it every game they're going to have 25 points in seven minutes or something to that effect right so they're going to go on some kind of crazy offensive run where they just get really hot for about seven to ten minutes that's what Hubert davis said he's like we're playing really good basketball for 10 minutes every game he's like we just got two for 40 uh, so you, whether you go with them, whether you have a big lead and they just cut into it, whether whatever the case may be, you just have to survive that avalanche and kind of let them cool back down because they eventually will. Because, But they just have way too many weapons. They're going to go on some type of run 
that looks like you've just kind of been smacked in the face and like what the hell just happened. It's inevitable. Happens every game. Yeah. No, I mean, North Carolina is just I'm just I'm just looking at the stats and it's just sloppy. I mean, all five of let me see, not all five, that's a lie. Not Leaky Black, but their top four guys, Caleb Love, Armando Baycott, RJ Davis, Pete Nance, they're all averaging at least two turnovers per game. Leaky Black is one. Um, their assist to turnover is basically one to one. They're not shooting the ball well from three. They're okay at free throws. It's like, it just looks like, this looks like a team that there's just so much talent. Once they tie it up, once they tighten shit up, I think they're going to be really good. And you just have to hope that this isn't the game where they start tightening it up because they are good enough. They're they're good enough to beat Ohio State by 25 points. I don't think Ohio State's good enough to beat them by 25 points. But once North Carolina tightens some shit up, like they're they're good enough to run through some people. Yeah, I'm comfortable saying North Carolina is still good enough to win the championship. They just have to get it right for a month. You know, like that's all this this team has a lot of talent. You just have to, you know, put it where you just have to catch them. You have to make them, make them and force them into settling for contested jump shots. You know, be able to score on them, obviously, because they're going to score and you're not going to hold them to 65 points, right? You're going to be, they're going to score on you. So you have to score on them. But this could be very similar to like the San Diego State game in the in the second half, you know, where both teams had fifty points kind of deal. Um, and in a half, I could see that happening. You know, it would be very interesting to see how Ohio State kind of responds. And again, people keep always oh, you know, young team excuse, young team excuse. For now, it is an excuse. Yeah, young teams go through things. It, it's like that's just what it is. I don't understand. It's not an excuse. It's a reason. You know, people really get that one confused between excuses and reasons. There's going to be young, there's the, the young team moments are happening less and less, which is good. Uh, the only one that really doesn't make many young player mistakes is Bruce Thornton. But I mean, also shout out to Bruce Thornton who sat for what, 45 seconds in the Rutgers game or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Nonsense. Absolutely nonsense that he has that motor right now. And that game was up and down. So credit to him. But uh, that's besides the point. But you're going to see you're I might write something up about this before the weekend. I might not, but I think you're going to see a lot of Roddy Gale. Like I wouldn't be shocked. I would, I wouldn't be shocked if on Saturday, if he plays, he's averaging 14 minutes a game. I wouldn't be shocked if he plays 25 against Carolina. If likely not there. Um, yeah, I completely, I completely agree. You, you need, you, you need ball handlers. You need guys that can bring the ball up and it's going to be Thornton for almost the entire game. Probably like, I mean, Holtman will play Thornton for 40 minutes on Saturday if he's not in foul trouble. But I think Roddy Gale's going to get in. You're going to need you're going to need productive minutes from him. I think Justice Suing has to be better. Justice Suing has to be better. Justice Suing is not playing good basketball. He is not playing well. You, he has to be much better for this team to continue to get better. Um, he is just objectively playing badly, um, and they're still winning games despite that, which. Could be which is awesome because I could not have seen that coming. So, like he's averaging 13 points a game, but he's barely shooting 40% overall. He's shooting 18% from three point. Um, like that, that's not him. That's not him. Yeah, it's just one of those things where, um, and, and look, Suing's his, his presence still being felt in other ways, but yeah, they need him to score the ball. You can't really rely, like, they beat Rutgers by one at home at the end of the day, and Zed Key at 20 points and 14 rebounds you know you can't really rely on that every game so 
you need other guys to step up, and I think this is going to be a big Justice Suing, Roddy Gale, and probably Tanner Holden game. Right? I mean, we're talk, you talk about Tanner Holden's kind of been struggling, kind of feeling his footing, trying to figure out where he belongs in this, on this team. One play can change that entire mindset. And it shows how much confidence they have in him to have him in the game with zero points that late in the game. You know, to even have Bruce Thornton, even though it was kind of just because he was in trouble, but Bruce Thornton with the confidence to pass him that ball in that situation and obviously the the wherewithal to knock it down. So, you know, this that that whole shot can be a complete game changer for Tanner Holden. Maybe it's not, maybe it is, who knows? But um it's also a game where I think Felix Akpar is gonna have to play well just because Armando Baycott's such a handful. Um, I think Zed Key is going to either be a little little winded or possibly have some I don't you know, he can't he can't get an early foul throw, but if he does, it's gonna have to be a Felix Akpar to go in there. And Felix Akpar, he hasn't given you a credible amount on offense, but he's been awesome on defense. So it, it, and that's I've all been, he, I've been impressed. I've been impressed with him. I have too. I've, yeah, I've been I've been super I, impressed. I, think, I also think in this game, Felix, if you're listening, you have five fouls to give. Yeah, uh, Armando Baycott is a true center in every sense of the word. He is not a shooter. He is not a great free throw shooter. Um, you you have five fouls to give. I would not be upset if every now and then, you know, if Felix comes in and you see him foul Baycott. Not, I'm not saying go in and foul him, but like, yeah, do not him let him, make him burn. Do not let him score on you. If he's gonna, yeah. if he if he gets you and he's gonna score on you, foul him and send him to the line. You have five to give. He's not a great free throw shooter. I know that that kind of sounds dumb, but. He, he's not a good free throw shooter, and I would rather see Akpar follow him, prevent the bucket, and make him earn it at the line. Unlike a lot of bigs who are becoming better shooters, better free throw shooters, like Zed's a good example, Baycott's not that. Well, and there's also the, the concept of, like, make him work for everything he gets. If, if early on in this game he's getting just easy bunny dunks and layups, he's going to just get way more comfortable, comfortable, comfortable in the paint. Make it uncomfortable. Make him make him physical. Make him work for it. I think this this is probably the most physical Ohio State team I've I've watched. Between guys like Ice and Suing and Bruce Thornton and just, you know, they're very Sean McNeil, you know, Ice and Sean McNeil kind of brought that Big Twelve basketball into hot into Columbus. It's it's been very fun to watch because I think sometimes outside of like Caleb West and pissing off Mark Turgeon, sometimes you don't see that too much. So it was, it was nice to see. Yeah, I I I think that they just need they just need a lot more from Justice Suing. I think as I look at the stats, you just you need more from him. He's a very he's a very like cool um, the, the 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 Hawaiian energy is very appropriate for him. Um, yeah. He is very he he's not a big celebrate, pump your fist, scream at guys, um, dive on the floor, pound on the floor, show a bunch of emotion kind of thing. Um, which can sometimes kind of look kind of like CJ Stroud. People say about CJ Stroud, it looks like he doesn't really care. Like he's not that into it, which is just and, nonsense. But no, it's not true. He's a very smart player. He's a very cerebral player. He's like honestly one of the most fun people to interview because he can re- he recalls a lot from games. You can ask him about a specific play, and he'll be like, "Yeah, this is you know this is what I was actually thinking in this spot. This is what we had to do." Um, they just if they're going to win this game, they probably need. They probably need 20 from Justice Suing. They need 20 from someone. You're right. Someone has to have that 20, 25-point game, and he's probably the most likely to do it. So I agree. Maybe Sensiball. Maybe Sensiball has been very consistent, but he hasn't had like that game yet, right, where he just has – and granted, he hasn't played enough minutes to probably have that kind of game yet because he was at, at one point he was averaging more points than minutes played. But 
you know, maybe this is the game where he puts up 25, right? He, he has that Malachi Brandon Nebraska game. Who knows? It's it's in there somewhere. I just don't know when it's going to happen. I think overall, when I check my phone when I'm at family dinner in Toledo on Saturday, I don't think I expect Ohio State to win this game. I think I would probably pick North Carolina just because they're too good and too talented to be as bad as they have lately. And I know after kind of stealing one against Rutgers, I think that they might lose this game. But they also have three games in a row coming up that are winnable. You lose this one, you win the next three, you're sitting at 10 and three. I think they'll be okay. I don't think that Ohio State wins this game. But to say that they have no chance is not at all true. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that'd be nonsense. I, I think Ohio State has done a good job this season through the first nine games of putting themselves into a position to where they don't have to win this game. Right? I, agree. I agree. This isn't a must win. There is a world where they're walking into this game through nine, they're five and four, right? Or something like that. And it's like, shit, they really need to get this one against North Carolina or else big 10 play is going to be rough. They're seven and two. If they lose this game, they're at worst, they're seven and three and they have a very good chance. They go Maine, Alabama, A&M, and then Northwestern at home before they go to, before they play Purdue. Or is that at Northwestern? Regardless, it's Northwestern. It's, it's at Northwestern. But okay, still, but it's regardless, Northwestern. It's, it's Northwestern. Like you're not going to play many worse teams in Northwest. And credit Northwestern, they just beat Michigan State, but they're still probably the 12th best team in the conference. So, like you kind of have to win those kinds of games, and it's a very winnable game. Still, obviously, so you have still a very good chance to walk into that Purdue game at 10 and three, and I think that's probably the goal. Is to 11 two be great? It's probably the goal to be 10 and three. I agree. Without without losing to Maine, yeah, we've been talking a lot of shit about Maine. That can't, the that can't so be the third loss. Any of those. Maine did beat Maine did beat uh, Boston College on the road. People forget. And Boston College stinks. You got anything else before we get out? <laughs> uh, no, but I have enjoyed watching Kevin Sweeney. By the way, friend of the pod, Kevin Sweeney, SI. He predicted Boston College to finish 14th in the ACC last, and got a lot of shit for it. Randomly enough, apparently there's a lot of college, Boston College fans out there. He's been having kind of he's been doing a little bit of a victory lap, because um, Boston College thinks I don't know they're not going to finish last in the ACC because Louisville is legitimately maybe the worst Power Five team I've ever seen. But um, that's all I got. I hope uh, I hope next time recording this Ohio State's it's kind of weird. Ohio State hasn't played. It feels like Ohio State has played basketball in like two weeks. It's been one week, but still yeah, this it's, been a, and it's funny too. Week. It's it's funny there's because we talked about them not having a second Big Ten game for people that. Might not know for some reason. You normally play two Big Ten games in December. Highest only has one, and that was you know the second one was supposed to slot in right here somewhere, probably tonight. Honestly, for being honest, uh, or as we're recording this tonight, Wednesday night the fourteenth, but they just didn't get one. <laughs> so I don't know. They so they played nineteen games uh, in twenty twenty three. So that's going to be their their Big Ten schedule is even harder than than it should be. So it's it's weird. It's nice to have a nine day break going into North Carolina, but it sucks because. They're going to play one more Big Ten game than everybody else in 2023. Yeah, I can tell you for a fact, Holtman is not happy about it. Not like he's not going to make an excuse, but he was like, no, I don't. He's like, I want a nine-day break. Well, he's right. This is not where you want want your break. He said, I want a nine-day break in like early February when all of my guys are beat up and we're playing once every three days. That's when I want a nine-day break. I don't want a nine-day break right now where I still have freshmen that I feel like they're just – are just starting to hit their stride. I don't want to stop that momentum right now. Oh, 100%. I mean, like, they're coming off their most emotional win of the season, and they're just not going to play for nine days. This is not, that's he not, did say, that's not he, ideal. He did say he got to watch some um, – he said he watched some basketball this past weekend 
which was funny because he said, I don't usually watch basketball because he's like, but I, cause I can't turn, he said, I can't turn the coach switch off. Like I can't watch another, I can't watch two other teams without potentially just taking notes in my head of like, okay, well when I play, when we play Iowa, we got to remember that. So he was like, with like 10 days off, he said, I was, he's like, I was able to watch some games this weekend with the family and just kind of like enjoy basketball for like probably the last time that I'll be able to enjoy basketball this year without thinking of it in a coach way. <laughs> I do love, um, again, shout out Gary Parrish of CBS sports. Who's on Adam Jardy's podcast. Um, he said he was talking about Matt Painter and like Chris Holtman. He was like, you know, two, he was like two of the best coaches that are doing it right now. And he was like, but obviously you know that I was like, Oh, Gary, you should take a wander into Ohio state Twitter. Some people actually don't know that. But that's another chalk, chalk one for someone who knows what they're talking about that thinks Chris Holman's a good coach to all you people that think he's a bad coach. So, tough day. I think that's about it. So if you found – how long did we go? Hour 10, hour 15? Hour 10. If you found us on uh, the Land Grant website, make sure to also subscribe on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, whatever you use to, to get your music um, under the Land Grant Holy Land feed so that you can get notified every week when we put out another episode. And you can follow us on Bucketheads LGHL. Um, I jumped in with a, with Ohio State Hoops Insider and did a little bit of a spaces after the uh, Duke game, which was fun. We might try to do more of those, so follow us there and see that and you can follow me at justin underscore golba and you can follow connor at you can follow me at lamans which is l-e-m-o-n-s underscore connor if you guys are curious um during the games usually justin runs the twitter so the i'm shirtless and i don't know what is going on tweet i don't know what happened i just wound up shirtless that was this guy that was this guy <laughs> thanks for listening have a good weekend go bucks